Welcome home. You're watching Legacy TV. My name is Sarah. I'm so thankful that you chose to tune in and watch this today. Jeremy is teaching a series out of the book of Luke chapter 9, all about what it means to be fit for the, the master's use. And man, any, any person that I have known in life that has done great exploits for God, God has used them in a big way. At some point in life, they had to leave the net and they had to follow him follow Jesus. And I know for Jeremy and I, there have been times that the Lord has asked us to leave it all and take a step of faith and go after Him. And you know, you've got to do that in life. You've got to step out. If you want to enjoy the rewards, sometimes you've got to take a risk. But faith is sometimes a risk, but it is so worth it. When you get a word from God to step out and go after Him, to follow Him with all your heart. I'm telling you, I have seen the Lord do great and wonderful things. But first, there had to be a step of faith. I want to encourage you today to listen to this word with all your heart. Open your the, the eyes of your understanding. Um, Oh, let the Lord open the eyes of your understanding that He would be able to fill you with light and minister to you exactly what you need. I'll be back right after this teaching to pray with you at the end. And he said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, I love you guys. I love you. I'm here because I love you. And you heard me call you. But if you've got something else to do before follow me, I can't use you. You're not fit for this. Thank you, Lord. I got to get this right. I want you to compare this. Hold your place in Luke 9. Compare this response to people that heard the same two words, follow me and had a different reaction. Mark chapter 1. Hold your place in Luke 9. Look at Mark chapter 1. We're going to compare these things, contrast them. In verse 16 of Mark chapter 1, it says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. What were they doing? Casting a net. Why were they casting a net? Because they're fishermen. And this is what fishermen do. They throw a net into the sea. This is not a hobby. If it's a hobby, you use a pole. If it's your livelihood, you use a net. Because these are not just fish for enjoyment. These are not throwbacks. This is money. So that's why they throw this net. We're going for as many at one time as we possibly can. They're throwing the net, casting the net into the sea. Why? For they were fishermen. Seems like an obvious statement. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, what? Follow me. Human ears have never been honored with such greatness as those two words. Follow me. And he said, I'll make you fishers of men. Watch this, verse 18. They immediately left their what? Nets and followed him. Now again, remember what this net is. It's as much figurative as it is literal for these guys and for you. They're out there throwing a net in, but again, this is their livelihood that they're throwing out there. This is money in the bank. This is a paycheck. This is how we eat. This is what puts food on the table and clothes on the back. We are so dependent upon this net, right? 
This net is a way of life for these guys. Without this net, they're not even, they're not fishermen. This is what makes them fishermen. This is what it said, casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen. I want you to get the significance of this here. What I want you to see is what they left. At the call of Jesus, I want you to see what they dropped. And I want you to see how quickly they dropped it. Right away, immediately, left their net. So they weren't just leaving a profession, so to speak. They were leaving the very thing that was always there before to catch them when they fell. You watch... I remember growing up, going to the circus and stuff like this, and you, you go inside that auditorium and four stories high, watch as Mikolos Kunios, or whatever his name is, he <laughs> climbs to the top of the trapeze and he's going to tightrope, walk across this wire, and he's up there and he's up there high and it's a really small wire and everybody's oohing and on. But you look down a little bit beneath him, what's down there? A net. Annette, is there really any risk involved here? I imagine it takes some skill. Of course, it takes some talent to do that. But if he falls, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to land softly and gingerly into a net that's going to spring him up. He'll do a quick somersault and land. And at worst, there'll be a run in his tights or something like that. That's the worst that's going to happen. <laughs> Essentially, no risk. But then right on the other hand, you take one of these guys that strings that same rope out between two skyscrapers downtown Chicago or the guy who took that wire and walked across the Grand Canyon. I've met him. He's a born-again believer. Speaks in churches, ministers. There's no net down there. Come on, baby. That's risk. When you take away the net, this thing gets real in a hurry. When there's nothing to catch you down there, if you fall, there's nothing for you to fall back on. There's nothing there for you to, to, to instill confidence in you that no matter what happens, this thing's going to turn out great. That's what a net is, and that's what a net does. And I want you to imagine what would have happened if these guys had heard Jesus say, follow me, and they said, yes, sir, and they dragged the net with them. What would it have been like if Peter... John and these guys walking around behind Jesus with the net. And he turns around and says, what's the net for? And they say, well, you know, in case this doesn't work out, I've got something to fall back on. Jesus would say to that, I can't use you. You're not fit for this. There's no faith in that. He's saying to you, I'm the one calling you out into the deep, but I also want to be the net. Let me be your net. Let me be the one that catches you when you fall. Let me be the one that puts you back up. Let, come on, get rid of that thing. Let me be the net. And I don't even realize, I don't know if they realize 
the significance of what they did when they dropped that net. And how many people have said, Lord, I'll go with you. I'll follow you. Let me get a little more money in the bank. Mimi's got an example. When the Lord told Ken to go on every Excuse available, me. when the Lord told Ken to go on every available voice, and there was no money, mm -hmm. that's an example. Of no net. <laughs> no net. But it worked. I'd say <laughs> it did work. It did work, and it's still working. Let me be your net. And people are telling Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me get a little more money in the bank first. Let, let me get the kids. Let me first. Let me first get the kids through school. Let me first. Lord, we'll do that in the church. I promise you. But let me first get a few more people in the congregation. Let me, let me first get some, some big givers in here. And then I'll. Jesus is going, baby, I love you. And I called you. I can't use that, though. As long as you have some other net than him, he's not Lord. This gets, it gets worse before it gets better. Listen to this. When he, when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat. What were they doing? What were they doing? Help me out. They're doing what? Mending the nets? You telling me this thing I've got all my hopes and dreams built on? This thing that I need to put food on the table, to put clothes on my kid's back, this thing I need to keep me sustained has to be mended by me? If it needs to be mended, that means something's wrong with it. There's a hole in this somewhere. I looked this up this afternoon. To mend it means to strengthen it, restore it, replenish it. You know what else it means? Make it fit. Make it fit. In other words, if they're out there mending a net, then in that moment, it's not fit. And you are only as fit as whatever or whomever you have faith in. Whatever's got your trust, however strong it is, that's how strong you are. Whatever has your faith, however weak it is, that's how weak you are. And if that net needs is in need of reparation, is in need of mending, that means there's a weakness in it somewhere, and it cannot be depended on at all times, in all things, always. It just can't. It's going to have to have you repairing it and you trying to fix it. And Jesus is saying, ooh, 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 pick me. I'll be your net. You ain't never got to fix me. I'll be, I'm strong and I'm forever strong. You fall on me, there's no holes in this. There's no weakness in this. I'm fit and I'll make you fit. You put your faith in my fitness and my fitness becomes your fitness. I can use that. I can use that. But see, they're out there mending the nets. And immediately he called them and what did they do? They left their father. They left their father in the boat with the hired servants and watch this, went after him. Sometimes it helps to read the Bible with just a little Southern influence in you. They went after him. <laughs> Pastor Caldwell saw that this afternoon. And after what you preached this morning, that embodied what went off in me, coming after Jesus. They went after him and they left two things. 
They left the net and they left their father. What was it that guy with all the excuses told Jesus? Let me first go back to my father. Let me first go back to my father. What did the next guy say? Let me first go home. So much of the time, there's this draw placed on you trying to pull you back. It's not just pull you back home, but it's to pull you back into what was comfortable, into what was holding you up, into what was sustaining you. And people are afraid to get out there and drop the net because now we don't have anything to fall back on. Now we don't have anything to hold us up. Oh yeah, you do. The one who called you. The one who called you. And I read several commentaries on this. And if you study it, I'm not sure what the, where it is in the language, but they made reference to the fact that the man's dad, it's not, he's not saying, let me go to a funeral. He's saying, let me go back and wait till he dies. But I wonder how many people today have sensed a call of God on their lives, perhaps into ministry, but they can't seem to break free of the expectations their father has put on them or a parental figure has put on them. You're going to go to this school. You're going to follow in this profession. Dads, let me say something. How awful would it be to find out that our sons sensed a call of God on their life into something, but were afraid to pursue it and felt like they had to wait till we were dead and gone. A good father, a godly father, will never allow his son to prioritize his expectation over the call of God. It just won't happen. That's what this guy's dealing with. I want to go. My heart's pulling me that way. He called him Lord. But he said, there's no way my dad's going to let me do this. I need to go home and let in that phase of my life and then start this next one. There's so much we could say about this. But what did they leave? They left the net and they left the nest. Go back to Luke chapter 9. So often the instruction of the Lord is leave home. It's leave home. Abram, what did God speak to him? The first thing God said to him, Genesis 12, get out of your father's house. Now folks, the man was 70 years old. I think it was time. <laughs> It, let's be honest, it was time. Come on, man, step on out there. Get brave a little bit. Get out of the nest. But so often, the instruction of the Lord is leave the house, but it's, it's, not, it's not in the sense I'm leaving you and I'm never going to talk to you again. It's I'm changing gods. I'm changing sources. You've been my source. And now he's calling me out and he's going to be my source. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And it's not sayonara, see you in heaven. It's not that you break off fellowship and break off relationship. It's now, okay, I'm in this relationship now. And now it's between me and her, not me and you and me and her. We got to hear from God. I got to find out how to lead a family. I got to find out how to lead a home. I got to find out how to teach children. And it's just a change in dependency. Again, remember, these are instructions to ministers. Thank you, Lord. Back to Luke chapter 9. What did he say in verse 62? This is significant for us also. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit 
for the kingdom of God. I like this illustration Jesus uses here with his words. He said, no one having put his hand to the plow, his hand to the plow. He said, there's a problem once you put your hand to the plow and then you start looking back. Now, in both these cases, what was it? Looking back home, looking back to where you came from, looking back to where it was comfortable, looking back to what was holding you up. And Jesus said, you can't start this. I'll say it to you like this. You can't plow forward while looking back. You can't do it. He said, if you're trying, I can't use you. We're talking about being useful to the master because we know he loves us and we know he's called us. But how do we become useful to him? How do we have the kind of impact that our hearts are hungry to have? Well, one thing you know you can't do is begin to plow while looking back. Why would somebody start to plow and then look back? The answer is not so deep. Plowing's hard. Anybody in here ever started a church? Plowing's hard. Is it not? What is, what is plowing? What's it all about? Well, in particularly in our family, and I mean the family of faith and the household of faith, man, we are big, big, big on sowing, are we not? Big, big, big on reaping. And we're big on it because Jesus was big on it. But here's the thing about sowing and reaping. You can't sow until you've plowed. Plowing ground is in preparation. Who's he looking for? People that are fit for his use, prepared for the work, prepared for it, made ready beforehand, prepared for every good work. What work is he talking about? The one you're called to. There is no greater work than the one he's called you to. And listen to me, you'll never be more productive. You'll never be more effective. And you'll certainly never be more satisfied doing anything other than the thing he called you to do. And you'll never be more blessed doing something else. You'll never be more blessed hanging on to a net. So he's saying, put your hand to this plow. But the plowing is in preparation for one thing, seed sowing. But the thing about plowing, like I said, is you, it it gets hard. You start running into stuff, right? Wayside ground is is the ground Jesus said the word gets sown on and the birds come immediately and devour it. Why is that? Because it just sits out there on top. It's so hard. It's so packed. It was probably the closest thing to concrete and cement that they had is wayside ground. But that ground can be sowed on once it's plowed. But it's going to have to be plowed. That blade is going to have to penetrate the earth, bring what's beneath the surface up to the top, make it soft again so a seed can take root and then produce. The problem, the reason Jesus said this is so serious is because if you give up on the plowing, then you can't sow. And if you can't sow then you won't reap. That's why plowing, once it's begun, you got to stick with it. And this occurred to me this afternoon in such a strong, strong way. It's a thought I've had so many times before, but it occurred to me with such weight. 
I was nearly in tears over it today. That right now, standing in this room, this is the way I've always felt about this meeting, this pulpit, in this room, among these people. It is one of the highest honors, but it's for this reason. I am among men and women who have plowed. And that's big to me. I'm among men and women who have not just plowed, but kept plowing. Who had opportunity over and over to quit. Who had opportunity over and over to look back. Back at what? Back at the house. This was much easier back at the house. Get all excited about seed sowing. Get all excited about harvest. Woo! 30, 60, 100 fold, baby. Okay, good. Come on, let's reap. But you don't have to plow. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.